0: Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. I am Tara Bowen-Biggs, joined, as always, by Blazer's outsider, Danny Morang. Danny.
1: Yo, 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 yo. We're, uh, we're doing this... Uh as the Super Bowl happens, so it's a, it's a Super Bowl edition that we're really just not going to talk about the Super Bowl in.
0: Right, and just so people know, it's after the halftime performance, and we have already gone over. We've we,
1: already <laughs> we established that Shakira's hips still don't lie.
0: Yes, we established that um, it was amazing, and it was I, – I think it was amazing and so much fun, and I totally by chance turned it on to at halftime. I, like, wasn't even going to really That was the it.
1: universe directing you towards – It which was. was
0: it was so much fun. I like. I'm now. I'm like. I want to go take a dance class or something. Like, I mean, J Lo's fifty. I'm fifty. Like, I'm practically J Lo, right?
1: I mean, mean, that's how it works. I'm I'm fairly certain it's a transitive property of age.
0: (laughs) Okay, so Dan, (laughs) one week ago,
1: like LeBron and I,
0: if I had said the Blazers in the next week are going to beat the number five Indiana Pacers, five in the East, number five in the West. Houston Rockets, the number one in the West L.A. Lakers and the number four in the West Utah Jazz.
1: How hard would you have laughed at me? I know a week ago I would have been like, ah, come on, I think you're going a little far. Three weeks ago I would have laughed you out of the building. But, like, there was a few games there. You know, Well, we had three of the absolute insanity games um, from Damian Lillard. So I was, it would have been one of those things where I've been like, uh, you're not winning three in a row. That Laker one's not going to be there. But the other ones, okay, we'll see. That, that, that's crazy to think about because that's how stupidly good Damian Lillard has been now for six games or two and a half weeks, right?
0: Mm-hmm. How long do you think he keeps this up,
1: really? That's the question. Like everybody I talk to at the network, everybody I talk to in the building, everybody. How how long can can he do this? Like, is it fair to keep, you know, anticipating this? Or how, how you know, how does it all work? How does it all come together? Does it all make sense? Like, do it just stop abruptly? Like, we saw uh, the Utah game. You started off 0 for 3, and we're like, well, you know, Mike it was Kong a nice was run fast. while it lasts. Yeah, it kind of like, real, like, to divorce themselves from it, over, like, like, immediately, like, okay, cool. Was, but thanks for those five games. And then, you know, the rest of the game happened. So, I. I'm 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 going very much the route of Coach Stotts here and I, I'm done answering questions about Damian Lillard's greatness right now. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy it because mm-hmm. the superlatives are gone. Mm-hmm. The hyperbole is gone. When 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 I say or when you say or anybody says this is the best run a trailblazer has ever had, it's not hyperbole. Mm-hmm. And that's that's such an insane thing to, to, to say.
0: Okay, so of all the things that are going right with Damian Lillard right now, which is your absolute favorite?
1: The FU3s. The, the, those the Where he's pulling up from and the level of defense he's facing that far out. In the Laker game, Caruso, and I want to say AD, came on the trap. I can't remember who it was, but I think it was. Caruso bumps Dame's leg on a step-back fadeaway at 33 feet. Dame turns his back to everybody on the court and points and one while the ball's still in the air because he knows it's in. And then he looks at somebody in the crowd and says, "They can't blank with me," and and you can't. Mm-hmm. You he is on mess with the ball right now. The the, he- the, it, the Lakers threw. I, I drew this this parallel after the after Laker game. The Lakers threw the same damn defense with two of the three same guys that the Pelicans did at Damian Lillard in the in the in the in the Portland New Orleans series a couple years ago. What he did to those double teams and how he beat them and the confidence and decision making that he used and the ridiculous shot making, he completely obliterated everything that had to do like that to me was like the 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 signaling moment of like Super Saiyan Damian Lillard. Like mm-hmm. I have evolved to this to this level, like not even what you thought could beat me can beat me now. I have an answer for everything.
0: I like that you brought up that Anthony Davis, who was one of the people who pestered him uh in that playoff run where they were swept, was one of the people involved in one of these incredible games that Damien has just put on mm-hmm. because. To me, it's so Damien that it's not just that he's playing well. It's that there's this whole story behind it. It's like he constructed yep. this whole narrative along with it. It's not enough for him to just go out and play well. It's There's the, there's the whole history of what got him to that point. And I was looking back on it today because I was looking at the progression of um, those 30-plus foot three um, sh- shots that he's been taking. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of it, there was that like super silly video that he put out in the summer about his workout, you know,
1: yeah, his workout video with the helmet on. And, and right. Up. Exactly. Yeah. But
0: when you put that as part of the narrative, it truly was. He went into the lab and did some stuff that we can't even fathom to change the way that he plays the game, to change the way that all his teammates play and to change the way that everybody plays against him. And like, what's one of the greatest things I think about having him on the team is that we'll never have just a great basketball player. We have like the entire package of him as a person, him as a storyteller, him as a player, him as a leader. Mm-hmm. So much, he's so dimensional.
1: He's, he's that dude, and it's it's crazy to think about. So and how come? Oh, sorry. No, no. I was just I, I, I'm still like I've had a lot of people over the last two weeks asking me like what it's like been like to be in the building, what's it been like you know, to you know to kind of be around him and then be around the team and stuff like that, and I I don't know how to explain it. Like, it, so, so I never, even as a, as a guy who loved Brandon Roy and how good he was, and he was probably going to, if you know, he continues his career as a Hall of Fame level talent. I never thought that I would live to see, let alone cover, a guy who was quite literally performing at the highest level in the entire world in the sport.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I never thought I'd have a, a, a Steph Curry you know, or a LeBron James or a Michael Jordan or any of those kind of guys, those generation or hella Kobe. I never thought I would have that guy right in front of me, night in, night out.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And it's, it's the weirdest, craziest, most surreal thing. And like, and I, I know I want to break everything down. Like watching him right now, I'm not looking at the numbers. I'm, it's quite literally just me giggling. (laughs) <laughs> like when people ask me like well like what's it been like to be there and, and see it all happen i'm like i do a lot of giggling that, that's, that's really what i do i like i i had a tweet the other night where i just i just said he's gonna go for 50 lol like mm-hmm. and i think at the point he i think he had like 31 or 32 but you could just see it coming and i just sit back kick my feet up and giggle mm-hmm. and it, like i don't I can't remember a single player ever in the history of this game, Tara, that has made me do that.
0: Well, think about his first triple double. Like you, like that—that that, you saw that coming halfway through that game, and it was like, "Oh God!" I was like, Damien's going to get a triple to the, double tonight against Russell Westbrook. This is this is this is genius." And he will make this happen. And uh, I'm so glad I was there for that game. That was got to be one of my favorite games. I was inc- like, every, I was standing up, screaming <laughs> along with everybody else. And everybody, there were enough people who were tracking it without having been told that it was coming, that as soon as he had that ninth rebound, people all started standing up and were just waiting and waiting and waiting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then it was funny cause the Bla- the blazers like were on, went on this little run where they were hitting everything. And I was like, how's he going to get a triple double if they like, don't miss a shot. And my son was like, well, the other team could miss. I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> I was just so caught up right. in the, the scoring part of it. I was just like, I've figured that he's going to get it with a, an offensive rebound, which he did. So I guess I was right, but, yeah. but, but what I wanted to ask you about, is when you'd go to a basketball reference and look at the MVP tracker, Mm -hmm. Damian Lillard has just entered as number 10. So he's behind obviously Giannis James Harden is Mm -hmm. number two. Then LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Luka Doncic, Kawhi Leonard, Jimmy Butler, Chris Middleton, Nikola Jokic, and Damian Lillard. So, that's all supposed to be on the model based on previous years and voting and all that stuff, or based on how things turned out in previous years, where would you rank him right now? Do you really think that he's number 10 on that league on the candidates for MVP?
1: No, I think in the minds of people around the league right now, and this isn't even just recency bias, just how good he's been. He was, if the Blazers make the playoffs, he's going to get some third place votes. Like that's, uh-huh. That's gonna happen. Uh-huh. Um but my tier is uh excuse me, Giannis. Giannis is the MVP this uh-huh. year. I he could not play probably after 15 more games, he'd still be my my MVP.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Like he's he has been so unbelievably good that it's it's hard to put into words. Uh-huh. Uh the next tier for me, it's Luca, it's Lebron, and it's Damian Lillard. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, I'd I'd put A D and uh Kawhi Jokic on that third tier. Mm-hmm. Um but the the that the the winners is Giannis, but then after that I believe it's Luca, it's Lebron and it's and it's uh Damian.
0: Damien in that second tier. You don't yeah. have Jimmy Butler and Chris
1: Middleton. I do not. <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> Above Damian Lillard. Uh, I
1: think, I think Jimmy could be up there, especially if the heat finish as well as they do, but Middleton definitely not.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it has been just so much fun watching all this happen. But one thing I do want to say is also happening is what are the things that we're missing because Damian is playing so well, because I, I get that he's like a huge reason that, uh, that Blazers have won all of these games. I'm not convinced he is the only reason. I believe that he has been getting useful help from his teammates. Maybe he still could have done it. But I've seen some things that I think are really positive that I'm glad to see happening that do not have to do with Damian Lillard. One of them is Hassan Whiteside going straight up on box. <laughs> um, so I'm super excited about that, and then uh, and I want to hear what your thoughts are on that. And then the other thing is, uh, you know, my pink shoe shift, my uh, uh, Naz little, Anthony Simons, and um, Naz, and, and Gary Trent when they're in alongside Damian Lillard, Mm -hmm. they are running plays now. They are with confidence running plays that were designed for them to do and they are executing them and it is so much fun. But not only that, I think it does make Damian Lillard's life a little easier and so does having Trevor Ariza there, somebody who helps spread the floor, just like we've always been saying that somebody that we needed. So can you address those things?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, like... We'll start with the young guys, then we'll work our way back. The the young guys, it, it's with all as with all those guys, it's all about getting confidence. we were, I was talking to uh, Travis DeMerser the other day or earlier today, and um, we were talking about Gary Trent Jr. and We remember when he got drafted. Me, him, and I were talking. We're like, listen, bare minimum, he's he's gonna stick around in the league for years because he can just flat out shoot. So we were just sitting there, just you know, over the last two years, a year and a half just waiting for that shooting to come together. We, we've seen this with, with a ton of guys in the past before here, especially here in Portland. Mm-hmm. Alan Crab couldn't shoot, then he could shoot. content couldn't shoot, then he could shoot. Lyman couldn't shoot, then he could shoot. Like that, That's been the history of guys, especially these second round guys that Portland just seems to snatch up. Um, Gary's confidence is soaring so much so off of what he's been doing as a catch and shoot guy. Um, he's starting to create off the bounce a little bit. He's, he's coming off curls. He's working yeah. as a secondary creator. Like those are and taking uh, a few dribbles. Yeah. I mean, he sauced the living hell out of, uh, I want to say How it was, was Con. It? I think it was, Con- no, it wasn't Conley. It was, it was Clark's. That's why he, that's mm-hmm. why he went after him, but oh he God. broke him off. With a right to left between the legs, a little hezzy, and then went into the step back and pulled from 20 feet. I wish he'd been behind the line. We'll work on that later, Gary. Ooh, um, one step at a time. Yeah. But I mean, the confidence to hit him with the switch through and then hezzy step back fadeaway. I was like, oh, we've just, we just feeling ourselves now, aren't <laughs> we, Gary? I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying this. Um, and while Ant has definitely pulled back on his shooting, he has done things over the last couple games, especially. As a secondary creator off the bounce, off like he hell against the Jazz, I thought he did his one probably his most all around game in a couple weeks. He was rebounding, he was getting out there and and finding guys off the back cut, getting out in transition, knocking down a few shots. And then by the way, Nasir Little has wings apparently. Oh my god! Good yes. lord, he got up for those alley oops. <laughs> yes. Remember how last week we talked about
0: how Anthony can kind of glide like Clyde, like, you know, he can take that really long. He can make that approach to the basket in the air really long. Little kind of does that straight up and down.
1: Yeah, he he's more, uh, Jerome Kersey. And it's a little more Clyde. There's a little more power in Nas's game. Um Naz is I'm loving
0: it's watching fun. him. So the reason He's, I know I the I call it the pink shoe shift is because often when I'm watching a game, I'm watching like I'll watch one player for a really long time and so as a result, I don't really notice when other substitutions have been going on. So like last year I watched Rudy Gobert for like a whole bunch of the night and so I didn't notice a lot of what was going on. But then every time Naz Little comes in with those pink shoes, it kind of like wakes me up and I'm like, "Oh, we got a we got pink shoes in. Okay. Is Anthony in? Okay. Is Gary Trent in? Okay. We got the shift
1: going on. They've they, they've been splitting splitting up the shoes again. Uh Ant's gone back to his his Kobe's. Mm-hmm. Uh Gary, he has the Kobe NXTs and it has like a I wanna say like a NASA friend oh, that he, he's been going to a ton. Um Nasir, I think, is is he just kinda goes with whatever
0: yeah well he's been steadily wearing the pink ones yeah he's
1: just kind of cycled through and does his thing but But i don't know
0: what what i'm gonna do when he changes it'll be harder for me to notice when the shift change happens. yeah I know. i mean after (laughs) he cut his
1: hair that was the first thing i was like come on man yeah uh,
0: yeah but yeah he's he's got a lot to go but i also you know i i'm seeing gary trent even uh not just anthony but i'm also seeing gary trent run some of those um
1: curls he, he was working on what the – uh the D- D- for Anthony, yeah. so
0: Anthony could get around.
1: Well, that, there was – if it's the play that I was thinking, it was when him uh, – when Trent Lillard and Simons were in, Dame got the inbounds on the baseline and there was a Ant screen for Dame and then Gary screen for Ant on the back cut. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're talking about Yeah. No, they- I'm
0: talking about when we're, where uh where Dame was at the top and they did that curl where um, usually it's CJ starts and runs the baseline and then goes all the way over and does a little handoff and then all the way over to the other side. Oh, OK. Ends up running like a mile and a half. Yes. Like, longer than everybody else because he runs like the longest possible route. Yeah, he's, he's round in corners for sure. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, see watching. So anyway. I think that um, obviously Damian Lillard is playing out of his mind, but having these other guys click, uh, clicking into place is also making it maybe even a little bit easier for Damien to do it, or at least not it's so hard. It's chicken
1: or egg, and that's the thing. It's it's hard to kind mm-hmm. of decide which one is which. I I lean more towards Dame being the genesis of it, right? And his scoring and his gravity, and this is what I think a little bit a little bit Steph-esque because his gravity, especially like that 15-16 season, was so unbelievable that it leaves guys open. And this is what we always say, like it's not the harp on the other guys, but all the Blazers ever really needed around Damian Lillard as far as offensive assistance is competent decision makers and knockdown shooters. Mm-hmm. There aren't a lot of those.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, Turns leave out, wide. not like, that easy.
1: <laughs> and they're, Yeah, they're really, really valuable when you find them. But this is what we're talking about with Trevor Ariza. Like, he's a pro's pro. How many plays have you seen him make where he doesn't get the assist, but he gets the hockey assist because Dame kicks it out to him on the first rotation or the first trap or when the first man helps. And Trevor's giving up the good shot for the better shot or the better shot for the perfect shot, Mm -hmm. or he's taking the shot because he's not getting closed out on, or he's taking advantage of a guy who's closing out out of control, blowing by them for a dunk. Like those, like in the, in their individuals, you know, little caveats, they all look like good, like just good, smart basketball plays, but it's amazing how many guys can't and won't make those plays because there aren't a ton of guys who can shoot make the right read, and attack off the bounce.
0: And so much of it has got to be just like general experience. And I I sort of had this like epiphany this week uh, between having Carmelo Anthony and Trevor Ariza on the team because <laughs> you know, we were told we're building around Dame's trajectory, you know, and it was like, okay, I understand that. In in theory, the Blazers don't need like a locker room vet because they don't need anybody to explain to them because they've all been there. They've got Dame, you know, maybe Dame you know, might need somebody to like, you know, be his number one, but he doesn't, they don't need, they're not lacking for leadership. No, but it's experience the that is. is what they're <laughs> looking for. And I'm, I'm actually reading this book right now. that's called the soul of basketball. It's by Ian Thompson. Mm-hmm. It's taken me a while to figure out what it's about, but it's apparently it's about the, basically the 2010, 11 season. Um, but it's gone into, into depth on basically on the heat, the Lakers, uh, and the Dallas Mavericks. Mm -hmm. And each of those teams had like these 30 year old and the O talks a lot about the Celtics as well. These teams had these like guys in their mid thirties who I, for the last five years have been like, the Blazers don't need one of them because they're building around Damian, Damian Lillard's trajectory. But they had these guys who could do the things that Carmel Anthony and Trevor Ariza can do, which is make the play. Yeah. Whatever it needs to be done, make the play. And I was like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> that's, that's what the, that's what, you know, those guys can do. And as long as their guys yeah. can keep up. Cause you know, Tolliver, you know, a lot of, in a lot of ways he, you know, he was, you know, around the same age. He had the, the mind to the right mind to do those things, but, but his, his body's yeah, it wasn't quite as uh, willing <laughs> or able as uh, these other guys. And
1: the thing is, we're not talking about or looking for, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. We, we, we'd love to have Paul George, but like, we're just looking for like competent. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, there's not a lot of like comp, a lot, a lot of players in the league who are, have competent skill sets of, the three things that Portland needs, and that's you know, it, it's it's problematic. But when all of a sudden that competence starts being hit, on top of Dame's just superlative laden decision making lately, Tara, he's got a hundred points and two his turnovers. <laughs> no, that's
0: outrageous. Like
1: that's the stupidest. Like like there's a lot of really stupid numbers going on with Damian Lillard right now. That is by far yeah. the to handle the ball as much as he's been handling the ball and making all the decisions he's been making. Two freaking turnovers on 80 minutes, 100 points. Like, what the hell? It's just... It's not just the decisions. It's the, again, we're talking about the competency and skills. It's the execution and precision of the play. That's, that's the incredible part. Like he has made unbelievable pinpoint passes Mm -hmm. on the run, two guys chasing him, you know, just ridiculousness. And he makes it look routine. Now Mm -hmm. Tara, a week ago, the guy couldn't throw a freaking lob pass and now he's Andre Miller. (laughs) What the hell? Our dreams have come true, Dan. I I was like borderline sobbing in the press box. (laughs) As Dame's sitting there like Beethoven, this tossing <laughs> Throwing <ice>. logs now. <laughs> he, he threw the second one to Nas so DM high, it was disrespectful. <laughs> like, it was the same one that Chris Paul threw the Nerlens Orleans Noel, uh when, when OKC came to town. And Chris Paul looked back and just threw it up in the air, sarcastically, like, I can throw this wherever I want. He's going to go get it, and there's not a damn thing you can do about it. Dame did that over Rudy Gobert. <laughs> like, that's the that's the ridiculous stuff that we're looking at right now. And it's like, how the hell did you just find out how to do this overnight? Did you read a book? Like, did somebody finally pull him aside in this camp and like, Hey man, you know, you always asking us, you know, is there something else I can work on? We all lie to you and say, no, you're, the, you're perfect at everything. <laughs> but, but I, honestly, but honestly, your law passes trash Come back the next day, just diamond guys up. Like there's no tomorrow. and I'm just like,
0: yeah, he God. had like the little matrix trick uh, tr- chip implanted. Yeah, loaded it up, but it's like he's like, what the hell? I do alley oops. Yeah. <laughs> I know alley oops. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 amazing. But I also, like I said, I don't want to lose. I, I, you called it chicken and the egg, and I would call it maybe like a snowball effect, where like he's the main snowball no, here, not, but no, now he's picking is, up everybody along with him, and they're all creating something bigger.
1: I mean, you take a look, let's talk about Nas here for a second. Nas is shooting 57% on threes. Is it a high volume? No, but in his 15 minutes he's out there, he's either back-cutting for dunks, catching lobs, or knocking down threes. Like, it giving you high energy and effort defensively. Like, what more do you want out of your rookie was not going to play this year? <laughs> now you're getting real production from him. Defenses have to either close out or let a guy who's shooting well continue to step into open shots and shoot well. Gary's shooting like something like 57% on catch and shoot threes over his last eight. Like the, the numbers are insane. So if all of a sudden these guys continue to knock down, then that's that's the thing. You continue to knock down open shots, you're you're gonna be in and win a lot of games. And I'm waiting to see if there's going to be another one of these monster games from Dame, where his teammates don't knock down shots.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because right now, don't, like the Blazers the are playing point game. Yeah, the Blazers are playing well, and everything's riding well defensively. There are some major issues. What, how they were dissected in the first eighteen minutes of the game against the Jazz was terrible. Like Conley just, just. I mean, it was just absolutely disgusting off pick and roll covers. They're just running one five, one five, one five and just running it down Portland's throat. I'm honestly surprised they went away from it. Um but this is to say, if you if you drop a buck twenty every single game, it your defense doesn't have to be great.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know? The test has to be passable. Yeah
0: yeah well so um i asked you a question about white side but a lot of people have asked questions about yeah, white side so let's up address up. that in the course you can address my question in the course of all of the other ones that we're going to go through um so yeah a lot of the questions that we've got tonight are about white sides and trades because the trade deadline is thursday do you know what time the deadline is on thursday
1: uh noon i believe
0: noon eastern time yes so it'll be over by nine o'clock
1: mm-hmm wow so,
0: yeah. And I, I think I read a tweet somewhere that uh, maybe it was John Hollinger that said that, like, super, there's like sort of an unwritten w- rule that on Super Bowl Sunday, everybody chills. <laughs> and then after that, then that's when they kind of kick it into gear. So, who knows? Who knows what's happened? Actually, Woj had a few tweets already about Clint Capella with um, Houston. And
1: uh, yeah, there's so been rumors maybe about. We'll, him maybe we'll see something while. sooner rather than
0: later. It's
1: well, let's I not be, talk about Clint Capelle.
0: Let's talk about our guys who. <laughs> well, no, I was.
1: I, I think Capella might end up being a domino that kind of springboards <laughs> things. Yeah. Um, I talked to a few people before we started to record, and the, the thought is that deal there is going to be pretty darn imminent.
0: Mm. Well, it's. In, I'm. I'm curious to find out if um, everything going on with the Lakers and Kobe, if it is going to slow down, if it's going to mean that this is not quite such a season, or if people are now just going to be like, well, we are a few days behind, but we're going to power through and do all the things that we hope that we were going to be able to do. Because you got to think that front offices were at least at the very least the Lakers that they needed some days to process.
1: Yeah. I mean, bare minimum. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I still don't know what to think of this season now. Mm hmm. I get, and I've heard some people like you know the Lakers should really win the title now. I'm just like, "Eh, let's let's not. Let's not do that stuff. Let's let's not throw that out there. Number one, don't there's no need to put that on LeBron and those guys, but there's also like don't disrespect the guys that are out there putting in the work now too, like the Bucks and Giannis. It's right. it's, it's weird.
0: Well, I mean the, the Lakers are also a you know a genuine contender. So why Certainly. wouldn't they? I mean yeah, I mean, people are people have been uh, not creating, as in they didn't exist, but people have been finding their own ways to tell their own tell tell the story to themselves of what this season is going to mean to them. So, okay, let's jump in and talk about our questions. Our first one is from Blazer Fan seventy two, and the question is: If Whiteside isn't traded, will a different trade happen?
1: Um, it could certainly. <laughs> Uh, if the Whiteside deal doesn't get moved, eh, um, uh, you're kind of limited in what you can do. Mm-hmm. Like the only m- m- actual money that's movable right now is Whiteside and CJ.
0: Movable because other teams would be interested? Like
1: in the pecking order of things that teams want from the Blazers, it's Dame, it's Nurk, it's Zach, it's Ant. Mm-hmm. And CJ fits in there, probably after Nurk. I mm-hmm. would think it depends on the team, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, once you get past Whiteside's whole deal, it's you gotta, you know, yeah, kind of figure well, out what 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 actually has has real salary tied to it.
0: Right. Well, so I guess when um, let's keep going because I think other questions will be kind of like follow up to this. Yeah, one. there's
1: definitely some more more uh white side centered uh right. goodness here
0: so the next one is from burlicious m probably on everyone's mind has Whiteside played himself into a place as a fixture on this team that we're going to keep for a playoff run so i think that's that's also a common theme that i yeah seen. It's like wow how can the Bla- i think it's kind of like how can the blazers let him go now he's become very important
1: yeah, how important has he become is going to be the question. Important mm-hmm. enough to jeopardize the financial future of this entire franchise? Because that's the question you're you're asking yourself. Um, because if
0: they keep him and they, they don't are, make any more trades, they'll be over the tax. And are they in repeater tax yet? Does this put them in they, repeater tax? Yes.
1: So that would be – This will be the third out of four years? Yeah. And that would preclude them from really, I mean, from what we understand, if you're trying to save the money, from going back over the cap. So um, Mm -hmm. definitely becomes problematic for from team building scenarios, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh,
0: you know, it kind of goes back to what we've. I I think I've said a a number of times before about how hard it must be (laughs) to to be a GM because there's what you want to do, and then there's what you can do. And there's what other teams want and then there's what you have to offer. And I imagine that the Venn diagram between all those things is a lot smaller and it's like thread and a needle to really be able to make this work. You gotta get the right like, guy on the right day. It's and it's like the <laughs> you're kinda damned if you're doing you're damned if you don't. You know, kind of a situation because now the Blazers are playing great, but what we've said all along this season and what they must have told Hassan when he was signed here is Nurkic is coming back. And we're hoping that you can spend a great season with us, but Nurkic is our center of the future. So like that shouldn't be coming as a big surprise to anyone. Yeah. No. <laughs> but we're in the best situation but it's like we're on the one hand we're like in a great situation because Hassan Whiteside is really doing a lot of really good things. But, and you know, he's also hopefully becoming uh desirable to other people who are like, you know what, we could make that work. Oh, you know, we need an- another center or whatever. Um, but on the other hand, like, yeah, what do you do? I just, I just, it fascinates me about how, As much talk as there is about, oh, Blazers should do this, Blazers should do that, like how hard it must be actually to do anything.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And what I find to be frustrating from my own personal views is that these questions are now being allowed in like the the greater sense. It's becoming a very common theme or, you know, thought process is like, well, what if now this is what I talk about, like holding, you know, the the ownership group and the, the basketball group to like to the fire mm-hmm. where I, th- I think Portland as a whole does a really bad job of this because I think sometimes the, 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 the market itself is so different than uh, if, like damn near any other market in the country when it comes to sports and this particular mm-hmm. thing, I want to say it's, it, it sounds cruel cause like, cause it, the way I'm going to phrase it, but I don't know what any other way. And that's, it's a lot of times it's so short sighted, with like long-term plans, like what makes sense because the moment is so good because they mm-hmm. enjoy the little moments so much that it can inhibit the, the, the movement of the, of the team because now, you know, the basketball group come out and say, well, yeah, no, it was, you've given them a the ready-made excuse. No, mm-hmm. no. It was like a white side was, was, was good. We, we didn't have a choice, but to hold on to him when, Four months ago, five months ago, we were just told that in order for this team to be competitive going forward is that we do need to do something with those deals.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and like those two things can't exist at the same time.
0: I That's my point exactly. I mean, <coughs> excuse me. One would hope that they have, you know, as, a, um, as an entity, as an organization, that they have their guiding principles for mm-hmm. how – they're going to operate as a franchise. You know, I would personally choose my Marcus Aurelius quotes, which I'm always going into. <laughs> Things uh, can change in a moment and never let them touch your soul. Right. Things can change in a moment. People can bust their Achilles. Um, you know, guys can separate their shoulders. You've got to be ready for th- that. That. But never let them touch your soul is you have to figure out who you are and you have to stick with that. And if who you are is a team that is going to um, trade for, you know, trade these contracts and you're doing everything you possibly can to trade those contracts, that's great unless you can't find somebody else to trade with. (laughs) But at least you've done what you you've tried to do what you said you were going to do.
1: Yeah, and that's that's where I. it's hard for me to sit here and take the, well, should the Blazers keep Whiteside? Like, no. Like, I'm all, The only circumstance that, that exists is that you traded C.J. McCollum for Michael Jordan's remade Cyborg. Like, <laughs> in that case, sure, keep us on. But otherwise, well, no, like, you
0: can't do that. Well, I think it may be another way to frame it. Could be uh, that the Blazers are still trying to trade Hassan because that's what they said that they were going to do. But at least we've seen right now that he's been able to figure out how to be more productive on the field and help the Blazers as long as he is here. Yes. That is this this silver lining has been brought to you by (laughs) Tara. Okay. Okay. Chris Stone um at chris stone and then there's a whole bunch of letters behind it or numbers behind it okay chris stone wants to know assuming nurk comes back this year and is playing at a high level do you see him playing as a starter and Whiteside coming
1: off the bench i don't think there's going to be any overlap between the two so i don't think it's something we have to worry about mm-hmm. uh, however tra-
0: if hassan white side is not traded
1: nurk starting
0: right We've talked about that before. Like, you have a little more control over how long he's in that way. You have a little more control over who he's playing against. If Um, he doesn't, I will
1: be incredibly surprised.
0: Yeah. I would think that that's how it's going to be. And again, Whiteside should be prepared for that. So I don't think people have to worry about, like, oh, he's not, you know, going to be okay coming off the bench. You've got to think that he's prepared for, like, when hey, when Nurt comes back, he's our center of the future. You're going to be going to the bench. So hopefully – there won't be any problems there if said is still around. Okay, another trade question from Sir Weezy at mm-hmm. Weezy Sir. If the Blazers go the trade route, it's been reported that Minnie is looking for two firsts for Roco. That's Robert Covington, I'm yep, guessing. Yep. What is the max do you think the Blazers would offer to bring Roko to Portland? With their recent play, do you think Trent and Naz have played themselves to untouchable status? There's so many good questions in that
1: one. Uh, So so talk about the untouchables part first. The only truly untouchable guy on Blazers roster is Damian Lillard. Everybody else could be had for the right price, but the next group of untouchables is Simon, Zach, Nurk. Mm -hmm. Like, those are the, the young foundational pieces going forward that that matter. Um, but so I, the, I, the, the young, young guys getting their first real experience, they, they've got a ways to go before they get untouchable. Mm-hmm. What they are right now is valuable. Super useful. Yes. Gary Trent Jr. Is showing like, you know, shooting 45 percent in college usually translates to the NBA. He's showing a little bit more than that, but people are looking at him as a scorer. Like they're looking for him as a release valve shooter, secondary creator. Nas, there's a reason why I think he's a Gerald Wallace type player. He's mm-hmm. just re- reckless, abandoned, turned to 11 all the time. And if he can be, and we talked about this when we, when we drafted him, if Nas can ever be a 36, 37% three-point shooter, he he could be a, 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 high, a higher mid-tier rotation guy if everything comes together mm-hmm. for him. Like he can be incredibly impactful, but untouchable. No. Okay. So the other part of the question
0: is what's the max. Do you think the Blazers would offer to bring Rocco to Portland?
1: Uh, Portland treats their draft picks like gold first round okay. picks. So two, no, no, two, two first round picks are giving up for a guy higher caliber than Covington just because Minnesota's asking for two firsts.
0: Yeah. I don't think they're really in much of, the, of a position to uh, bargain. Do you?
1: They they've got pretty good leverage because because uh, Roko is Cat's friend, so okay, they got to make sure the return matters here. Um, and you're Kevin, thinking Roko would be a good fit with this team? I think he's a good fit. I don't think it's optimal because I, I think I still think they need another ball handler out there. And mm-hmm. Covington struggles in that. He's pretty record. limited in that. Yeah, he? and like that's where Rodney was better. But Rodney leaves a little bit. Desired defensively, which Covington mm-hmm. gives you. Um, if you're gonna have Zach and Nurk out there, you're you're missing a ball handler,
0: right? And like you got plenty of defense if you have Zach and Nurk out there, don't so, you?
1: So yeah, and so well, you need. I mean, you need the wing defender uh-huh. that that has to be there. Um. So two two firsts is too much. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, could I see Portland doing the white side in a first for uh, Jang and Covington? Yeah giving Mm -hmm. Minnesota the salary relief as opposed to two firsts. I could see that happening. Mm, Interesting. Uh, Kevin Pelt was in town the other night. Got to talk to him. Um, He believes that with the way things currently sit right now, Portland is primed to offer up the best first round pick of all the contenders. Mm -hmm. And so theirs may be more valuable than everybody else's. Right on the backside of the lottery.
0: Is that I was going to say? Is that you know, considering they're either like right at the end of the lottery or right at right outside of it? I mean, yeah. what's the difference how, to teams for a late raw lottery? Like you know, between the number eight pick and the number eleven pick? Like how much of a difference is that when you are a buyer of picks?
1: It there's definitely a cost, but it depends on the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this draft. I think the difference between picking, like where Portland could be picking, anywhere from, you know, 13th to 17th, um, or 18th, I guess, would be the highest. Um, The idea that a pick between one and five could be, you know, quite a lot. But I still think if you're the difference between, say, 15th and settle in the middle, and I don't know, Throw any of the contending teams. Let's, let's say Philly had picks to use, and they they threw picks, um, and you know they end up with hell. Use use Toronto. That, that just makes more sense because they'll they'll have some uh, the ability to stay at you know in the top two in the East, probably right. Mm-hmm. Let's say they finish twenty sixth. The difference mm-hmm. between the sixteenth or excuse me the fifteenth pick and the twenty sixth pick is pretty pretty damn big. Mm-hmm. Even in a draft, it's not supposed to be that great. Like you're getting double your value. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about draft slots, damn near. Yeah. So, like in that regard, it, it does matter. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I realized that when I said that, I was thinking, when I said like 11 and 15, and I was thinking of eight lottery spots and not 16, because I'm so uh, Western Conference centric. I forgot yes. about the Eastern Conference. <laughs> well, I mean, but okay, that, but that your, uh, your answer addresses that. Yes. Okay. Um, Another – next question comes from Awe and Wonder, and this is more of an observation. The rise of GT's uh, – uh, Gary Trent and Ariza's fit appears to be better than Bayes. Do you agree with that?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's what we talked about. Like Bayes was put in a position, much like Anthony Tolliver, to fail. Mm-hmm. Like he just wasn't he, – he was the wrong guy for the job, but also – It's like asking a plumber to, you know, fix your electrical problem. Mm -hmm. Like just because he's there doesn't mean he's the one who can fix it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. So um, So, it's a a little weird.
0: I want to talk about Mario Hazonia for just a minute. Do we have to? Yes, we do. Because he is in that same situation. Um, Okay. Do you watch The Bachelor? You don't watch The Bachelor, do you?
1: I do not watch The Bachelor. Okay, so this is,
0: this is my first season watching The Bachelor. As an aside, I can't believe we as a society let this happen. That's an aside. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so people who watch The Bachelor will under will hopefully understand this. Uh, Mario Hazonia is Pilot Peter. Mario Hazonia is in over his head. He's being asked to do things that he is not equipped to do he's just like that's the that's the case with the pilot he just is so in out of his head as the bachelor he has no idea like how to handle doing what he's supposed to be doing but the difference is on the bachelor he's the main character in the whole drama on the blazers mario hazonia is a role player on the bench who at this point occasionally has to come in because the guys in front of him get into foul trouble I understand that it's frustrating to watch a player um go out there and m- not perform their best. Who else do you think doesn't like going out and not performing their best? The player. Like, he. <laughs> when has anyone ever gotten better by people yelling at them on Twitter? That's all I'm saying. Like, I understand it's frustrating when somebody is in there and he is not doing what you think he should be doing. But at this point, his own use being, was being used because the other guys were in foul trouble and he needed to go in and play. And I just I think that the amount that he plays, we don't need to get so upset when he's in as long as, you know, like, yeah, he's going in and he's doing things. You're like, what are you do-? Like, he doesn't want to go in and make two like boneheaded fouls in a minute. <laughs> he, he doesn't want that. But I just I don't know. I just feel I feel bad for the guy because, like I said, he's in over his head. This is not the right place. This is not the right system. This is not right for him. And when he gets called in right now, he's being called in to do more than um, than he's currently capable of. That is my soapbox. I'm stepping down.
1: It's a little bit Myers Leonardy In Mm -hmm. the last couple of years, in that regard, the, you know, collective gasp when he comes in. Um, from what I understand right now, the Blazers trust him as a defender and that's mm-hmm. why he's getting minutes, but offensively, they kind of want to keep the ball out of his hands mm-hmm. because you can just see him. He's trying to do the right thing, mm-hmm. but he's just self-destructing because he's putting all that pressure on top of him. We saw the same kind of thing with Myers mm-hmm. where now you look at him, you know, what do you have 18 and 14 last night in Miami? So yeah, it's... <laughs> It's about finding the right place and being in the right frame of mind and he's things are so sideways in Portland. Like if the things had gone well to start the season and everybody's healthy and he had a poor start, you know what people would have done? Like, ah, oh, you know, he'll figure it out. It's still gonna be a while. But because everything's been so bad, he doesn't get a pass because everybody else has given them something good, right? Mm-hmm. Gary's found something, Ant's had a couple dunks. You know, done a few things here. Nas had some lobs, knocked down some threes. mello
0: They've all had uh, a moment. They've all had a few moments.
1: Trevor Ariza held the ball and got a technical foul for trolling. You know, stuff like that. Which, by the way, was fantastic. Uh, I absolutely loved every second of that. mm -hmm. Um, But Barrio just—god—he just, God, he just hasn't had that moment. And I feel bad for the guy. Mm -hmm. Like I see him work out before every game, and he goes at it hard. Mm -hmm. Like, you can tell how bad he wants it
0: Uh mm-hmm yeah he really does and i just like what's not gonna help is everybody complaining about it (laughs) because i don't think he wants to be bad either he doesn't want to he wants to go out there and just kill it and for whatever reason the system is not the right one this is not the place it's it's not happening at least any right now okay Let's move on. Um, this is from Belgian Blazer. Ooh, another great question. Lots of great questions tonight. Belgian Blazer says, barring a collapse by OKC or an insane run by the Blazers, it looks like the eighth spot is the highest attainable seed. Which team is the biggest threat for the Blazers? And I clarified, meaning which team is the biggest threat for making the eighth seed, not who for the first round.
1: Oh.
0: So we're looking at, like, Memphis, the Spurs.
1: Joe and I were talking about this last night. It was kind of hard to figure out. Like, Nola's got Zion. Mm Mm-hmm. Ingram, you know, they've been playing really well. But Memphis has been playing good ball. Mm Mm-hmm. And... (laughs) Portland has the, ha, yeah. Portland has the the so called seniority in a sense that they've been there, done that. They've struggled and kind of found themselves out of it. But the San Antonio Spurs are still, you know, they're like zombies. Mm-hmm. They just find a way. So, I honestly don't know. It's between those four teams, though.
0: It definitely is, but you got to pick one. Which one?
1: I'm gonna say New Orleans because they have a little bit more veteran talent. They've got Drew, they've got JJ, they've got favors. So I I think they can, that mixed with the uncanny destruction that Zion Williamson begets (laughs) in the world um, is probably the most influential.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I worry a little bit about Zion's health. He looks great, Um, but we haven't seen him play for a very long time for many, many games. And so like what it's going to be like 25 games from now, um, I think we'll be telling Memphis. I think it's possible that they just kind of hit the rookie wall. I mean, like you said, they're playing good basketball, but once everybody comes around and plays them the second, third time, they may be Mm -hmm. able to kind of pick them apart a little bit. Um, and i think the spurs are less likely to oh, let that happen and i hate to have the spurs i thought i really thought this was the year i thought this was the year we didn't have to worry about the spurs and of course i'm wrong because you always have to worry about the spurs but i think i would maybe put them as again because of that seniority that that portland also has mm-hmm. um, i see them sort of being the the toughest contender in the end but
1: who knows it's <sighs> The more I try to guess stuff at the bottom of this playoff picture this year, the more wrong I get. Yeah, so just got to take it one game at a time. It's just a matter of and Houston spiraling out of control. Luca's hurt, so like there's going to be some shifting. But I think the beginning of that question though or that statement was right. I don't think Portland climbs past eight. Mm -hmm. I, I think OKC's done enough to distance themselves that you may see some turnover between seven, six, five, four, but. I think that eight seed is the only one that's not spoken for right now.
0: But nobody dropping out that much. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A couple more trade questions. Um, this one's from Slater Smith. Uh, I was mm-hmm. ready for a white side trade before, but the way things are going, it's wise to keep it. Is it wise to keep him to make a run this year? I'm starting to like this team the way it is in the same lineup with Nurk. Instead, next year will be good, too. Am I crazy? And then he had a second one. He says, if Ol- Olshe opts to go this route, could we see a Mario plus picks trade instead? So I think we've addressed the first part of that a lot.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll just say this, like this whole idea of like this team coming back. First of all, I, like I said, I don't think it's on here beyond this season or probably on this trade deadline. line. Second of all, I don't think Carmelo comes back. Mm-hmm. Like I know he put that thing out. He'd love to stay here. I have heard this story before and the Blazers have got to love hearing this. Like mm-hmm. this is, this is a actual endorsement by Carmelo yeah. Anthony saying it's Portland is good. He's saying Come it. on through. Like mm-hmm. the Blazers are going to ride that PR train off the cliff. And I don't begrudge them one bit because right. they've ever had a star of his caliber. Co-sign. Mm-hmm. It's never happened. So you so get You can't that. get
0: mad at him for that. Like, no, 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 I, no, no, Carmelo has I've been impre- like Carmelo brought fun back to a, a time where things were not fun. And he gave that re-endorsement, come to Portland. You're going to love it here. Yeah. If he does nothing else for the That's rest enough. of the season, That's those enough. two things are incredibly yeah. important.
1: The, the, the thing here is that that little precipice we didn't talk about this um, I I don't think number one he's coming off the bench which if he came back next year he's coming off the bench number two that you know basically he would have to take a minimum contract or you know an MLE he's not getting either one of those from this team as the way things currently sit right now
0: he's not so, getting a minimum contract
1: no 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 or MLE the, he's the, not coming the, off the MLE or coming off the bench he's not getting like, MLE
0: or and he's not starting off the bench
1: yeah. okay so Because one thing we've all seen is that Mello still believes he's a starter in this league. Like we're we're what a you know two years removed from him looking at Paul George at OKC and be like, "Hey PG, they think I'm a bench player. I can come off the bench." Like, and he's he's been good, but I just don't think he's ready in his mind for that. So, like this whole idea like run that.
0: I don't think we know that about these guys. I don't think, I don't know what he thinks. He, you could be right, but I don't think we, I don't think we know it.
1: I'll believe he wants to come off the bench when if you see he, him coming off the bench. When I see him <laughs> off the bench, when Zach Collins comes back in mid March and Melo's still starting, I'm just going to go, okay, there we go. <laughs> so, um, yeah, as far as like running it back and just swapping out Nurk, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think Arez is here past the end of the season. So like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see really any of that coming together. And again, we already discussed what has been a couple weeks should not define or change what your overall mm-hmm. objective were for the season.
0: Mm-hmm. I will add one small little thing that has been in the back of my mind about Mello, at least for the rest of the year. When Zach Collins comes back, I know that this year was the year that Zach finally got to start because he has not been a starter. Not even in college was he a starter. If there's anyone who maybe possibly could be okay with continuing to come off the bench because that's what he's done and maybe he just talks himself into it. For the better, for the for the good of the team, it seems like he may possibly be somebody who might be willing to do that. But again, my projecting that into him is just as no I, knows as much as you projecting into Melo that he won't have come off the bench. So I'm just putting that part out there, though, because it's unusual that there's an NBA player who's never really started. Yeah. Okay, but the second part of Slater Smith's question was about uh, Mario and Pix. Moving Mario and Pix, is active enough to get them under the...
1: Um, no. There's no. still there's still a little more than that away. Bit,
0: and not much more, but a little bit more.
1: Yeah. Um, it have to be
0: Mario and somebody else.
1: But it's... Uh, I wouldn't expect Mario to be back next year either. So... Um, I just don't think it's enough for anybody unless you needed the money in order to make it work. And he's on a a vet man. So I I don't know what you're getting with that in return. Mm -hmm. So,
0: okay, Dan Zyle. should we let recency bias determine what the Blazers do at the deadline? I've seen a lot more believers in standing pat with the white side contract than all season, assuming there was a deal or deals to be had think we've covered this one
1: i wish i had the mc hammer commercial from tonight that was on earlier just them showing a guy with cheeto dust hands Mm -hmm. mc hammer's face appearing on every every, everything that he saw it saying can't touch this and like (laughs) you you can't touch this it's just you, you can't if you're an executive in the league, you cannot be hit by this kind of stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. You cannot change your trajectory based no. on, based on this. No, we can just be glad that Hassan is playing well. Take all of it. In. In there.
1: Enjoy the living hell. Of
0: it. <laughs> okay. This is the last one I've got other than obvious players, Dame CJ, Nurk, Collins. Ant, who do you see being valuable role players for this team going forward this year or next? I'm trying not to oversell myself on the way this team is playing but just about everyone is looking better than expected. So, I mean, uh, the, the pink shoe shift guys, I think, unless they get traded, I think those are role players.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I've kind of spelled out Gary Trent Jr. as being like your, your role player guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think the Blazers... It, they're looking at him as being kind of that, that bench release valve. That guy comes in with I often talk about and compare him to like a bigger Patty Mills. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's a sharp shooting, you know, two guard who just happens to probably better as a three, but he slides down cause he's a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's, he's that version of, you know, Patty Mills instead of being a point guard, you know, or a two and a one, he's a, he's a three and a two. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I can. I'm I bought into him. I've clearly bought into Anthony Simons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I am very much invested in his development. And while the, the shooting struggling is continue, or not necessarily continues, he just hasn't shot as much. He's found other ways to get involved. Listen, folks, I sit there and watch him warm up pregame. I see him hit 80 out of 100 threes. Like, it's nothing. The kid just needs to find his his confidence, and if he does that, I think he's going to just absolutely light the league on fire. Right. Well, uh, and the
0: normal Blazers trajectory was that he would year uh, three be getting this new yeah until yeah. year three, so he's a year early.
1: Um, and then beyond that, I think Nas can definitely be a rotation level guy. Mm-hmm. Listen, the Blazers do really well at, at drafting guys in that range, and they they've done so historically very well. Um, so it's not surprising that all of these guys are hit. Like, what was the last second round pick that they missed on? Like, it was just was not competent. I mean, Swan, even gets come back. Yeah, like, Can
0: we talk about him for a sec?
1: Yeah, Caleb's come back and he's been Man. Very, very good in what they've expected him to do.
0: He is aggressive. He is working hard. He's not perfect. But boy, he just he leaves it out. He's an energy hustle guy. All of a well, sudden, well, he's an actual backup center, you yeah. know. And like I, I, you know, Tolliver tried, and he did his best, and you know, he played admirably. Um, And even Scow, you know, I'm not, I don't know. It's been so long since we've seen Scow play. Um, but Biggie just, you know, he's got the body, he's got the energy, he's got the will to just keep fighting and to dive and to like move guys out of the way and not worry about like looking smooth while he's doing it. Uh, he's been, he's been fun. I'm, I'm super happy to see him playing well. I want to go back to that one question though, that I asked about Hassan jumping straight up. Do you feel like have you noticed that lately or is that just – am I just like making that up?
1: No, I I think he is. Uh, I think they're trying to do little subtle changes and make sure he stays out of foul trouble because they do need his size so much for long stretches of the game. So uh-huh. and You know what? We we haven't said much. A lot of this has been – trade us on. Trade us on. He has been incredibly good the last seven quarters.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh.
1: The, the the first quarter against the Lakers, I think Trevor reason was about to kill him. Um, but after that, he cleaned up the mistakes he was making, and, and he seemed like he was just completely checked out. And then the next like, seven quarters has been fantastic. There have been little issues here or there, but some of that empty calorie stuff that we saw a, a lot of early on in the season wasn't there. It's... Just impactful play after impactful play after impactful play. Terry, he hit a LaMarcus Aldridge wrong shoulder turnaround <laughs> fadeaway.
0: That was so great.
1: I mean, he looked like he'd been taking that shot for 10 years. It looked like if you put that in a side-by-side with LaMarcus, it looks like he stole it from him. Uh-huh. It was That was incredible. Mm-hmm. When, he's, when, he, when he pivoted, I cl- literally looked at Joe and said, what the is he doing?
0: <laughs> and he
1: let it go and it was just wet. And it was one of the wildest emotional swings I've had yes. on a, on a seemingly simple play in a very long time. I because,
0: could see how that would have been confusing for you.
1: Yeah. Cause it, I mean, let's be honest. That's, that's not, we don't see him show feet work ever. And then to be on a baseline turn and fade over the wrong shoulder contested at the end of a game on that night. That just wasn't the place that I expected to see all that come together at once. Mm-hmm. It was weird. That's, yeah. that's it
0: was. Right. Well, I, I believe that what we're seeing with him is a little bit more control, but you know, he's not just going in now when he gets a block, he follows it by corralling the ball as well, you know? And if he, if he doesn't get it, he's not out of place. He's where he needs to be is what it looks like to mm-hmm. me. He it just reminds, he really just reminds me more of how Zach Collins gets his blocks than he used to. Um, there's just been a lot to talk about this week and um, we should probably wrap it up here. Cause we've been going on for a while, but what a pleasure it was to kind of just get back to basketball and not only that, to just see the greatness in front of us. That's Damian Lillard, who knows how long it will continue um, but I'm just going to enjoy it as long as it lasts. Um, I'll say my thing, and then you can take, take us out of here. Oh, yeah, and everyone, don't forget, we got Blazer's Edge Night coming up, so it is time mm-hmm. to buy your tickets. What you do is you go to the website, you buy the ticket, and you use the special code, and then those tickets will be passed along to students and their chaperones to come to the a game, many of them who have never been to a game, many of whom have never had an opportunity to do this, and will probably make a lasting impact on them so don't you want to be a part of that you can be a part of that by going to Blazers Edge there will be a link to it in the uh, article that goes along with this post on Blazers Edge so please help out with that we have a Women's Hoops and Talks meetup on Tuesday night. We're going to be at McMiniman's on Broadway watching the game together. Everyone's invited. We uh, love to hold it. We we hold these to kind of center the voices of women. We want to know what the women's opinions are, but guys are certainly welcome to come. And we do have men who come who are extremely supportive, and it's awesome. We will be at McMiniman's on Broadway to watch the Blazers take on the Nuggets. There will be a Women's Hoops and Talks our, uh, podcast coming out on Thursday, so you can fo- find that. Um, you can fi- follow them, us on Twitter, at Hoops and Talks. You can follow me on Twitter, at TCB Biggs. You can subscribe to the Blazer's Edge podcast in whatever podcast app you use. I think I will stop there, and Dan, you can take us out of here.
1: All right. Um, thanks for that, Tara. Just a quick little note. Um, go out there and buy tickets, you jerks. I'm only kidding. Dan, if you, that is if you,
0: not – You have to – with honey, Dan.
1: No, 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 honey. no. No, no honey. No honey. Oh, I, 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 say that to get, I say that to get everybody's attention, and what? that is we do need your help. Uh, there, Last I talked to Dave, there was a thousand that were still looking to be sent to the game. Um, this happens every year, and everybody always steps up and gets it done and makes it happen – but it is a little bit scary in these in these situations to not know ahead of time. So if you can, if you have the possibility, please, please, please—excuse me—not the possibility, the ability to make this happen. Please, 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 please do all the stuff that Dara just asked you to do. Um, as always, you can find me on social media at Danny Mering at D A N N Y M A R A N G. Uh, following every game on NBC Sports in the Northwest with Joe Simons on uh, Blazers Outsiders—that's the name of the show that I do, right? Jeez, it's getting. Uh, I think f- so. I watch it every once in a while. Yeah, I mean that's. Listen, if if you watch the show and it's on mute and you're at a uh, a bar, you're consuming it just like everybody else. Just make sure the channel stays on. That's all I care <laughs> about. Please, <laughs> just but, turn it on. Yeah, just turn it on. Walk away from your TV. That's perfectly acceptable. Um, <laughs> for Tara, I'm Danny. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll catch you next week. Bye.